We're going to be back in the book of Proverbs today. And uh, like last week, we're going to pull out different verses. Um, usually the style of, usually I go into a book of the Bible and we kind of go through that together. That's when we did Acts, that's why I like to preach. You kind of work your way through it. But there are times that you need to address a subject, topic, and you be, need to be a little more topical. So that, this, I guess, this is a little more topical. All right. So a couple weeks ago, we had our annual meeting. We talked about Acts, message from Acts, about uh, five essential ingredients for church health, church health and growth, discipleship, fellowship, prayer, generosity, and evangelism. Uh, last week, we looked at financial wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to look at another uh, topic that is found in the book of Proverbs, and it, is, it comes up quite a bit. In fact, in the first chapter, so that's what we're going to read, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 1, so you can start there, and then if you want to follow along with the rest of them, but it talks about the fear of the Lord, and, and I, I don't think I've, man, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, yeah, 34 years almost. Wow. And I don't think I've ever talked on this, the fear of the Lord. And it, it's a little bit of an ominous uh, subject, isn't it? The fear of the Lord, you know? It's kind of like, um, it could be taken the wrong way, maybe. And so that's what we want to unpack a little bit this morning and see how we can live a life that glorifies God. Amen? All right, this look, we're going to be in Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, but let's begin with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is able to guide and direct us. Lord, it is your word. It uh, gives us wisdom and guidance. It corrects us at times. Um, it helps us to live a godly life. And so, Lord God, we just pray you would open up your word. Let it speak to us today. It is the living word of God. We thank you and we give you the praise and glory. In your name we ask. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Of course, Proverbs was written by who? Solomon, yes. Solomon, the son of David. Uh, he, would be, um, he would come into the kingdom as a, as a king at a very young age. He takes over for his father, David. And um, he's young and he seeks God. He's intimidated by the moment. He goes to God in prayer and he asks for wisdom. And God says, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but also give you fame, wealth, riches, right? I think if he would ask, you know, a lot of people would have asked for riches, fame, or whatever. He asks for wisdom. So let's look at this. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding the words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get to guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, isn't that just interesting how... Solomon phrases that. The fear of the Lord indicates an awe of God. Everybody say, ah. <laughs> kind of like you're at the dentist, right? An awe for God, right? And we use that word, man, that was awesome, right? And I think that word maybe gets used, overused, right? Probably. 
we, we can overuse that word. It's kind of like, you know, it was a cool experience and that was awesome. But I don't think it, it compares to if we were actually in the very presence of God. And there's times that I sense God's presence here on a Sunday morning or in my prayer time or um, at various moments, you sense the presence of God that is far different than anything else we can experience in this world. All right? Um, we are in the, it's when we sense that we're in the presence of an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. In Proverbs, you will see a reciprocating effect, though. If we fear the Lord, it leads to wisdom and knowledge, right? The opposite is also true. If we grow in wisdom, we grow in the fear of the Lord and knowledge of Him. There's actually a verse that talks about that that we'll hit. And so the fear of the Lord creates several responses within us. So we're going to look at four different responses. It could be more than that, but we're going to look specifically at four. First of all, the fear of the Lord creates delight because He's our Creator. It creates delight. Now I know a lot of you, and a lot of you enjoy being out in nature. Raise your hand if you enjoy being out in nature, right? That it does something for your heart and your soul, doesn't it? Right? They fa- in fact, they tell you if you just go out for a 20, 30 minute walk out in nature, um, that it lowers your blood pressure and your stress level. And they've been able to measure that. There's something about that. This is what Proverbs 8, 22 through 31 says. And so in this passage of Proverbs, it's kind of wisdom personified. Wisdom is made to be a person, all right? Personally, I think that the person that it's describing is Christ before he comes to earth in bodily form. So the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, and just, you know, from theology perspective, Christ was not born. Yes, he was born in the flesh when he came to earth, but he always existed along with the Father. He's equal to the Father. He is God. He always has been God. He's equal to God. He's eternal. Okay? All right. So I think this is a reference to him. We don't know for sure, but that's my, my take. Verse 22 says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. Where there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the worlds or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. And when he gave the sea its boundaries so no water would overstep its command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, Then I was constantly at his side, and I was filled with what? Delight. Day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. You know, God delighted in in what he created. Not just in creating human beings, but he he delighted in all that he created. Isn't that cool? When you look at Genesis chapter 1 and just look at the creation story, that was something that stirred the heart of God. And, it, you know, when he sees that we take delight in it, I believe that also stirs his heart. So I know many of you enjoy being out in nature. You enjoy a good sunrise or sunset right there. Um, taking a good hike or enjoying time on the lake. You enjoy gazing into a dark sky and seeing all the stars. Uh, you, know, they're, you know, they're getting these new telescopes they can see 
so far now, right? It was the Hubble telescope, and now there, there's the other one now. If anybody can remember what it is, but it is just much more incredible. And they, they're seeing stars, and it's just incredible. Anyway, to think that God created that all, right? Uh, and then there's natural works such as the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, and um, Multoma Falls, right? I mean, there's just a lot of different things we could go on about the wonders of creation that we enjoy and enjoy seeing, right? That bring delight to us. You know, um, one of the songs we're going to close with today is a hymn uh, written by Carl Boberg. Anybody know what it is? You know, this, you know the hymn. You just maybe don't know it was Carl Boberg that wrote the poem that inspired the song. He was a Swedish editor and a future politician, and he was walking home in his bayside town of Monsteris. So I just probably butchered that because it's Swedish. So. But it's located on the Swedish southeastern coast. And as he was walking home, a thunderhead appeared on the horizon. Lightning flashed. The thunderclaps shook the air, sending Boberg running for shelter. You ever been out in a storm like that? And uh, the lightning, the thunder shakes the house, right? And when the storm began to relent, he rushed home. He opened his windows to let in the fresh bay air. And the vision of tranquility that greeted him stirred something deep in his soul. Um, he could hear the birds singing. He could hear the church bells sounding. And so out of this experience, he would write a poem. It's called O Stor Gud or something like that. I don't know. There again, I'm probably not pronouncing it right in Swedish. All right. But that poem then became the inspiration for the hymn. Jill knows it. How great thou art. Right? How great thou art. Um, that would be the, his inspiration. What brought him the awe of God was experiencing creation, right? All the beauty, but also just being out in the middle of a thunderstorm. He goes, wow. The fresh air, the thunder, the lightning. It was just, it was a moment that he just kind of, the presence of God came into that place. He experienced God. It became a sacred place in a moment where uh, he was surrounded by God's beautiful creation. And I think there are those times where being out in nature can be that sacred place and your senses are overwhelmed with what you see and the God who created it all. Amen? And so when we experience God in that way, it creates a delight with what God has created. He is our creator. Secondly, the fear of the Lord creates a gratitude as our redeemer. He is our redeemer. Now there's several passages in the Bible that speak to God being our redeemer. You know, John 3.16 being a primary one. You probably would not go to the book of Proverbs, right? Um, for that. But there is a verse that talks about that in Proverbs, so that's where I'm going to kind of stay true to the Proverbs thing here. Um, Proverbs 16.6 says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. And through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. And we'll come back to that thought, that second half. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. You know, and that's what John 3.16 says, that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. It's through God's love and faithfulness that our sin was atoned for. I mean, it was, that means that the payment for our sin was satisfied. We had a debt that we could not pay, and so God paid it for us. 
If you're here today and you think that your good works are going to cut it, you, you're a good person, I, I believe that. And if you think that uh, you've done enough good, you've done more good than bad, I, I believe that. But even if you did know bad, you're still not good enough to get into heaven, according to what Scripture tells us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's not a good place to say amen, but that is a good place just to realize, hey, that's, that's where we are all at except for God sent His Son to die on the cross. He paid the debt that we could not pay. And really, we can't come to that place of salvation until we get to the place that we realize that we are a sinner without any ways to save ourselves. Sometimes that's immediate. Sometimes we have to get to that place that we realize, you know what? No matter what I do, I'm not good enough. That's what happened to Martin Luther. He grew up in a religious tradition, but he realized that no matter what he did, he still did not feel holy before God. He still didn't feel like he was pure before God. He would flog himself. He would kneel on stone pavement to pray. He would deny himself food and sleep. And guess what? He still did not feel like he was worthy of God's love. And then he was reading the book of Romans, and it says that you are justified by what? My youth group kids know that. We were justified by faith. Yes. Justified by faith. And it's kind of like the light bulb came on. It's kind of like, wow. And that was a pivotal moment for him. And that's when he started the Reformation and and all that. Um, Because he realized, you know what? No matter what we do, it's still not enough. It's only by faith that we are saved, but also that we are justified, made right before God. And it's that gratitude that creates, should create a gratitude in our hearts and an awe. When we do communion in the Lord's Supper, it should be a moment where we thank God that He died on the cross for our sin. And that's why God, Scripture encourages us to do that because we can go through life, we can have that moment of salvation and it's powerful, it's, it's meaningful. We can be baptized in water, right? And it can be a powerful moment, but then you get divorced from that from you know, a year or two or ten years and we can forget what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. I needed God's salvation as much back then as I do now today. Amen? Right? Our salvation isn't a one and done thing. It is we are being saved. If you look at Scripture, it's a continuous thing that we are being saved. It begins with a commitment, but... Our salvation is an ongoing process that God is perfecting and saving us. Amen? That is number two. We're grateful because He is our Redeemer. Number three, the fear of the Lord creates a trust as our provider. You ever been in awe that God actually comes through? You've prayed. You've prayed to Him. And all of a sudden God actually provides as you prayed. And sometimes we, we know we pray those prayers and we don't expect God to answer the prayer, right? I'm not pointing any fingers. I can point at myself. Um, but then God answers the prayer and it's kind of like, wow, I could have trusted God the whole time. I didn't have to be stressed. I didn't have to lose those hours of sleep, right? God has your back and we can trust him. And, and sometimes God waits to the last minute, okay? And so we can talk to God about that when we get to heaven if that's actually going to 
we'll probably be thinking about other things. But God, we can trust him. We can trust him with our whole life. And as we put biblical principles in place, whether it has to do with our talent or treasure, He blesses our life. We can trust Him. So here's a few verses. Proverbs 19.23, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Content. Isn't that a great word, contentment? It can be a bad thing if you're content and you don't want to develop who you are and grow in who you are. So contentment can be, there can be that side of it. But there's also that side that you're content with life, that you're peaceful, all right? That you're trusting God as your provider, that He's given you enough. Okay, you follow me on that? Proverbs 23, 17 through 18 says, Do not let your hearts envy sinners. But always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There's that fear of the Lord again. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. You know, when we are not content, we envy. We envy what others have, right? Instead, Scripture calls us to be zealous for the fear of the Lord. And Solomon's right in this. He was probably one of the wealthiest men, people on creation of earth at that time. Do you think he dealt with envy? I think he maybe did. So you can have it all and you can still have envy in your heart. Isn't that cruel? We can trust God, though, and find that place in contentment. Proverbs 9, 10 through 11, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Through wisdom your days will be many and the years will be added to your life. In other words, if we fear the Lord and we follow His ways... It's going to add days, yeah, and years to your life, right? You know, there's, the longer you live, sometimes you look back in your life and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that, right? Right? Some of those things are like, I wish I wouldn't have lifted those heavy things back in those days, you know, when I was younger and ruined my back, okay, right? There is that. Now, I don't know if Scripture talks to that, but it talks about other life decisions that we make and sometimes we have to god forgives us of our sin right but we still have to deal with some of those consequences and some of those consequences take years off of our life right when we fear the lord and honor him he will add years and days to our life that's pretty cool doesn't mean we'll live forever we will in his presence um Proverbs 29, 25, For the fear of the Lord, no, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So in other words, if we're fearful of what man says, um, popularity, right? We want to fit in, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 10, I, I have this memorized for the most part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will... Direct your paths. He'll make them straight. And it talks about not being wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Right? So we're not just talking about spiritual stuff here. We're talking about physical stuff. And the very much the Hebrew, the Old Testament understanding is that our spirituality just doesn't impact our soul, our spirit. It impacts our body, our soul, our mind. It impacts the whole being. Isn't that weird how God has made us? We're not just spirit. 
But we've got the emotional part of it. We've got the physical part of it. And they all impact each other. Right? If you're feeling good physically, you're going to also feel good emotionally and spiritually as well. If you feel good spiritually, it's going to impact the other two as well. They kind of overlap. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. We talked about this last week, of your crops. Giving God your best. Then your barns will be filled to overflow and your vats will brim over, brim over with new wine. There's so many um, passages of Scripture that speak to this throughout the whole of Scripture. When we fear the Lord and follow His guidance and His wisdom, He will provide for us economically, emotionally, physically, spiritually. We can trust Him. He's our provider. Um, and when God, when we honor Him and we see Him provide, I think that's the cool part. Um, it's kind of like, wow, that's an awesome moment, right? But you'll never experience that if we don't fear the Lord and follow Him, okay? Right? You're not, you can't have it both ways. Number four, this is the final point. I'm doing good here. All right. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. There we go. The fear of the Lord creates purity as our holy God. You notice some of those talked about that a little bit. Creates purity as our holy God. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom. And, you know, you can replace son with daughter there. I think that is acceptable. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and call aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds what in his hand? Well, he holds success in store for the upright. How many would, whatever you do, work, play, whatever, how many, golf course, day of fishing, how many want success? I do, right? If I go out fishing, I want to get my limit, all right? And maybe not just my limit, I want to catch a big one, all right? Um, playing basketball, whatever. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk as blameless. You know, a shield was pretty important in the day of battle, wasn't it? It protected from the darts that you could not, that were coming at you, that you couldn't somehow get away from. The sword blow that was coming towards you, you could block it, right? It had protected against the attacks of the enemy. Um, God's Word and His guidelines, His principles in, his, in the Word are like a shield for our life. But we have to choose to abide by that shield and hold up that shield. If, if we don't hold it up, it is our fault because we haven't put on the armor of God. Amen? For he guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithful ones. I think Proverbs, did you know that if you read a, a chapter in Proverbs every day, you kind of go through the book of Proverbs once a month, right? Because there's about 30 chapters. That's a cool thing to do. And I think if... Out of all the books in the Bible, it is one of the books that helps me to walk faithfully before God. Because it reminds me often a lot the dangers of sin. 
All right? And I know people think that pastors don't wrestle with sin. You know, I've had conversations in that room there in small group studies, and they think that pastors walk on water and all that stuff, right? Um, if there's been any book in the Bible that just provides the honest truth and the dangers of sin, it is Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 14.27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, a turning a person from the snares of death. There it is. We need to have a healthy fear or respect for God. It, it'll keep us from sin. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like a snake. You know, every once in a while on Facebook or whatever, you get, you know, these guys with these cobras or whatever. It's kind of like, you know what, keep the cobra over there and I'll stay here, right? I'm not going to handle a cobra, right? Now, they probably have experience with that, but tell, something tells me I need to have a healthy fear of that snake, Right? Right? You play with the snake, you're going to get bitten. And every once in a while, you'll, you'll hear stories where guys that even are experienced at it, they get bitten and they die, right? Or if you play with sin, it will bite you. And the book of Proverbs provides us guidelines so that we can have a healthy fear of the Lord and a healthy fear of sin in our life. You follow me? I want to close with this. Um, musicians, probably now it's a good time to come up. I don't know if you've heard of John Brevere. He's an author. Um, I read an article that uh, yeah, came through one of my many emails that comes through. And he, he's written a book called The Awe of God. I think this was kind of taken inspired by that. He wrote this article talking about the fear of God. And so it kind of tied in with what I was going to share here. Um, but he was talking about the life of Solomon. And he says, you know, the fear of the Lord was a virtue that King Solomon embraced when he was young. It resulted in him possessing wisdom beyond his years. He grew in noble character while achieving success, fortune, fame, like no other in his generation. Kings, queens, ambassadors, and various high-level leaders would travel great distances just to catch a glimpse of his greatness, hear his insights, and glean from his innovative operations that were the hallmark to his nation's strength, great strength and wealth. Did you know that people came just to hear Solomon expound on sciences, biology? I don't know where he learned it from. It just came from God, I, it seems like. People he led were happy, successful, fulfilled. It was a great time in Israel. But as time passed, this notable leader eventually stepped away from what fueled his achievements. achievements. He became wise in his own eyes and deemed it no longer necessary to heed the wisdom of this virtue. So on Monday nights, guys, what led Solomon away? My Wednesday night, people know it. What was it? Women. Women. All, you know, he had all these wives, you know. 700 wives, 300 concubines are the reverse, right? Right? And a lot of them did not have, they came from nations that didn't honor God. And so he would build temples of worship for these wives. They'd say, oh, Solomon, you have to build me a temple. And so they, he would. And before long, his heart was divided. He lost his way and eventually fell into the depths of a bitter, a bitter cynic. He's not the only one to suffer from this misjudgment but also those he led. To him, he, life became meaningless. And so he writes about this in Ecclesiastes. 
He says such things as, we can never be satisfied in life, and history merely repeats itself as if there's nothing new under the sun. Even more dramatic, the day you die is better than the day you're born. And he says, what is wrong cannot be made right, and what is missing cannot be recovered. He was in a dark place. He had lost his way. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes depicts the scope of life's pointless existence. To him, all was vanity. That comes up a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. This one man in a relatively short period of time experienced the heights of success and then rapidly plummeted to the depths of a flagrant pessimist. Solomon's story didn't end there. Um, Eventually, he would come full circle. He would rediscover life's most important virtue, the fear of God. And we're given a glimpse into this recovery. In the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, he begins by writing seven times in one form or another, Remember your Creator. All right, That was the first point, right? Remember your Creator, the one who formed you. And whenever I, I, I think about that, you know what? If I was to get instructions from somebody how to use something, I would go to the person that designed it and made it, right? You follow me? God created us. He formed us. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. He understands humi- hum- humanity. He understands our strength, our abilities, our weaknesses. The guidelines of Scripture are there not to restrict us, but to bring health to our life, to bless our life. Remember your Creator. And then he says, after all has been heard, the end of the matter is fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Hmm. That is the whole duty of man is to fear God. When we have a healthy fear of God, life will happen as it should and it will be blessed. Uh, John Brevere goes on later to describe an interview he had with a TV evangelist. And I believe this happened when I was in college for ministry. There was a couple biggies that fell from grace during that time in the 90s, 80s, 90s. Late 80s, beginning 90s. And this man reached out to John Brevere and because he had read one of his books. And so John was interviewing him, and he says, you know, at what point, because this man had committed adultery, he had um, deceptive practices and stuff with his ministry, and now he was in jail. And so John interviews him, and he said, so when did you fall out of love for God, you know, that led to your, your sin and all that? And the man looked directly at him without losing his gaze. He, he said, John, I never, I loved Jesus the whole time, the entire time. And he could tell that John was a little bit perplexed to that. He goes, but I didn't fear God. John says, I was stunned. My mind was now reeling. And then he, this man made the statement. He says, John, there are millions of American Christians just like me. They love Jesus, but they don't fear God. 
So many questions were suddenly answered by this statement. The biggest aha moment was that this story was put into the words, the reason why so many then and now are departing from the faith. The article is about finishing well, longevity, finishing well in life. Um, Hebrews talks about that. You know, Paul talks about it. He says, what good is it if I've done all this and run the race and I don't finish it well, right? I run in vain. Nobody wants to go through all the work and then drift away from God, right? But I think the longer we walk with God, the easier it is to not fear God. To realize, you know what, God loves me. He died on the cross for my sins, but He's still God. He's still holy. He's still awesome. Um, And sin is sin, and sin can't have any place in His presence. Right? Um, The fear and the awe of God We have to know of God's love for us. But it's like a father figure in our life, hopefully. If you have that experience, there's still that respect and reverence for their position and who they are. And growing up, it's kind of like, you know what? I knew my dad loved me, but I also knew that if I didn't toe the line, there's probably some discipline coming, right? Right? Not because he hated me, because he loved me, right? And we have to have that same attitude of God that He loves us with an everlasting love. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But sin will be punished. Sin will be punished. And He is a holy God. Because He's holy, He has to punish sin. Sin has no place before Him. And that's why we need God. Amen? I don't know if this is hitting you like it's hitting me. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And then we're going to have a time of prayer. And um, amen. Would you pray with me this morning? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and, and maybe, maybe you're just unsure this morning. Today is a good day just to make sure You're in that good place with Him. That you have peace with God. As Billy Graham used to say. Will you pray with me saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Walk with me today and forevermore. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. In these closing songs, there's two of them. Would you just worship the Lord and let God speak to you as um, He desires to? My prayer is that you just sense God's presence, His awesomeness. Um, Amen. I'm going to have Gary, Mary, if you come join me, Christy, if you join up front. If you have a prayer or need request, they will be here. Somebody to pray with. So let's worship the Lord together this morning as we close.
Lord, you are holy. You're awesome. And Lord God, I pray that uh, we never lose sight of that. Then in our devotional time with you, our prayer time, that God, you give us those moments where we sense the holiness and the presence of God. That we're in the presence of an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God that truly does love us, that we can trust, we can delight in, but also as a holy God. That is a holy God. And that sin does not escape His notice. All sin must be punished. It has to be dealt with. God doesn't sweep it under the rug. And so God's way was to send Jesus on the cross to die for our sin. But glad we still have that choice daily as we come before you to live a life that glorifies you, to grow in wisdom and knowledge of who you are and the fear of God. We still have that healthy reverence for who you are, that you truly are a holy and awesome God and to live our lives in such a way that brings you glory and praise. And so, Lord God, help us. Help us. And Lord, never let us lose that that excitement, that awe for who you are, Lord. But always come before you and to live in such a way. Let us not be like Solomon that lost his way or even a David, but to always walk in your ways each and every day. Lord, go go with us this week. Let your presence go with us. May you be glorified and lifted up by all that we do. We ask this in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Hey, God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave. If you need to be baptized in water, now is a good time to find me. And uh, God bless you this morning.